Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy. Ooh. I know. Great way to start off. Well, you know, four. it's season four. I figured let's just, let's just get it over with. <laughs> you get to know my name at the top. You probably won't hear it again <laughs> for the rest of the season. Uh, so. Before we get into the episode, uh, there's a couple things we just wanted to talk about. Um, if you follow us on our Facebook or Instagram or uh, Twitter. And, and, and may I say thank you to all five of you. Yes. We really appreciate it. Yes. Uh, you may have noticed we made a post uh, about the passing of comedy legend Carl Reiner. Um, as you know, we ended season three with a Mel Brooks series, and Carl and Mel, I don't think we really talked about it, about their friendship. Right, and their, you know, their collaborations, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, I think they both worked for said Caesar. Mm-hmm. They, I think that's how they met. And they um, probably worked for show shows. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, they had dinner every single day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they only lived, like, a block away from each other. Yeah, I think everyone should check out the documentary uh, Mel Brooks Unwrapped. And there's a scene where he calls Carl, and he's like, Hey, I'm headed to Whole Foods to get meatballs. Uh, so if you want to cook the spaghetti, I'll be coming over with the meatballs. And they, it's about a five-minute part of them just... Watching TV together, eating spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, and, and on um, Mel Brooks' episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, um, which is really funny. I, I do recommend that episode. Uh, they they do go to Carl's house That's awesome. to eat, and they, they say that they, they like to watch a movie, but they like to watch a movie where someone says, secure the perimeter, or... <laughs> Or, you know, like, uh, the shields are down, or something like that. Like, it needs to be something really silly and off-the-wall and suspenseful. And, and that's yourself. very it's very on-brand to yeah. them. Um, so, we will miss Carl um, and his comedic genius. Yeah. We still have Rob, his we son. Rob. We got Rob. Um, and Rob is just as funny as his father. Yeah. Uh, if anyone has seen Princess Bride or Spinal Tap. Um, and then the last thing we want to talk about before we get into the episode is... You may have seen an update to the website, and our buddy Joel has also passed. Oh, Joel. That was uh, that was a huge bummer, man. I, I, I wasn't expecting I didn't realize he was that old. No. I, I, I mean, I knew he was pretty old, but I was like, ah, he's still got another 15 good years. Yeah, he's got like 50 years left. But unfortunately, not. Um, you know, when, when I first started that joke of that... Acknowledging that Joel listens to the podcast, I didn't think it, that we would run it for so long. Yeah. But it kind of became like a whole thing with the podcast. Yeah. You know, and we stopped doing it in season three, but then we took it a step further with having a quote unquote quote <laughs> from Joel on the website. Uh, not... Not a real quote is what I should have said. Not the right way to have said that is what I was going to say. Wow. Oh, well. It but was, not a real quote. It so. was not a real quote from, from Joel, um, but it was just a fun thing to do, and it was, you know, I mean, lighthearted, and, you know, no, listen, we made fun of Joel a lot no. on the show, but we are we are fans of Joel's. Yeah. Um, again, I phone booth number 23, falling down, saying almost fire. Lost Boys, on. yeah. I mean, he's got some good stuff. All right, so yeah. definitely check out some of this homography. Maybe skip some of the ones we've mentioned on here that aren't as good. Um, uh, but, you know. And definitely check out the episode of Eli Roth's History of Horror about vampires, because he's on it, talking nice. about the Lost Boys, which, you know, Lost Boys is ugh, such a good movie. 
and uh, thanks to Kiefer Sutherland and that. Yeah. Uh, Ashley wants me to get a dangly earring. So cool. See, now, I attribute dangly earrings with George George Michael. Oh, yeah. So I always say, I'm going to get a dangly cross earring like George Michael. Maybe that's who Kiefer Sutherland was trying to uh, channel. Good, because if you're going to channel someone, channel the best. You know? You got to channel George Michael. Besides Bowie, though. R.I.P. Joel. And Carl. And Carl. Um... We'll probably still be making fun of Joel. All right, so... Uh, so let's get into the episode. And we have a special guest in the season four premiere. <gasps> Who could it be? The only other person we ever have on. It's Alex Warden. Hello. Yes. Yeah, I have a snow cone. Yeah, so if you hear him slurping, he has a snow cone. Because it's hot. It's, uh, like what, 102 Yeah, right it's now? 102 outside. About 115. Fuck. Feels like 115. Let's see. Let's see, my watch is updating. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, uh, it just says it's 99. Oh. Uh, but anyway. My car so says it's cold, so it's cold today. Yeah, okay. So it's cold front. Cold front came in. Yeah. Um, so, Jeremy, what are we talking about for the season four premiere? I am extremely excited today because we are talking about Children of Men, Alfonso Cuaron's 2006 sci fi film based on the book by P.D. Oh, no, I forgot her name. Thank you. Alex is going to do that. Um, and uh, of the same name. Uh, there are a few differences between the book and the and the film. We'll get to that. However, um, all... P.D. James. P.D. James. Um, all things aside, um, P.D. James was reported as saying that she really loved the finished product. So really? This was a successful adaptation. And, coincidentally, probably, maybe besides Metropolis, my favorite sci-fi film of all time. You know, and I remember when you first mentioned that you wanted to do an episode over that. Mm. I was like, mm, maybe. And then when you mentioned Clive Owen, I was like, I do love Clive Owen. Yeah. And, and you know, and watching it for the first time last night, uh, again, just like with... Uh, we, ha- we need to talk about Kevin. Mm. It really bummed me out, dude. I really gravitate towards films that yeah. bum people out. I they make, they make me so happy. I don't know. I, I get so excited when a movie is willing to... Make you feel bad? Yeah, or at least willing to try, you know? Yeah. Because this one, I mean... There is a glimmer of hope at the end, right? Oh, yeah. But of course, with our, with our hero, right? I mean, we've been following... Anyway, we'll get there. Um... But Alex, when was the first time you saw this? The first time I saw this was like maybe like eight years ago. Okay. I saw it very shortly after it came out. I'm pretty sure it was like a year or so after it came out. I was in high school. And um, I was was really into sci-fi stuff. And I was like, and I heard this one was sort of a, you know, toned down version of sci-fi. And I really liked the idea of that. Yeah. I, I, I would say that. Like, when I read that it was a, technically a sci-fi, I was like, mm, I don't feel like that, though. Right. Well, I mean, in I think what makes it sci-fi is it's, from its time of its release, it's 21 years in the future, right? Mm, yeah. For us, it's only seven years. For us, it's only seven years in the future, as of now, yeah. uh, which is weird. Um, I don't think we're close to getting computers that look like that. Or, or uh, cars that have, well, no. There's, there's been concept art of cars with, like, a heads-up display. Mm-hmm. There are some now, sort of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen one where it, like, projects the time onto the windshield. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the only thing that was on there that was sort of heads-up display-ish. Well, and they have, like, an alert one. Like, like yeah, whenever the, 
Yeah, yeah. Whenever like the there's something coming towards the car in one of the scenes, mm-hmm. and there's like, like an alert flash, that like, pops up, and it's like, like collision warning. Yeah, kind of thing. Which is pretty Which, cool. You know, we sort of kind of already have. Yeah, in some cars. I mean, it's not. Yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, right. Yes. Alex and I love this movie very, very much. This is this is one of our favorites. We want to get your first impressions. You have the luxury of watching this for the first time. With Virgin Eyes? Yes, which is fun because, I mean, like, there are movies that I wish I can go back and watch. With Virgin Eyes? Yeah, I mean, just wipe the slate clean and let's watch it one more time, right? So, I, so, you know, so you told me about the movie ahead of time, like, you know, weeks ago. Yeah. Or actually months ago, probably. And so I, I kind of had an understanding of what it was and what it, like, what the plot revolved around. And I haven't felt that level of anxiety mm-hmm. since watching Good Time. Yeah, it is very... And it and it hits you anxiety. from the first five minutes. Yeah. After he walks out of that coffee shop, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And they keep that, even with some of the more mundane stuff, like mm-hmm. kind of introducing Clive Owen and uh, Michael Caine, who it took me a minute. I was like, that's not Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine, yeah. He's great. He didn't say Master Wayne at all, so... No, he didn't. Um, but, you know, even with that mundane stuff, it was still very intense and, mm-hmm. you know, and they just, they cape that the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. And that I really enjoyed. When I say it bummed me out, it didn't mean I didn't enjoy the film at all. It just... It left me feeling very just like, mm, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I, I did enjoy it, you know, and I love the technicality behind it. Mm-hmm. Like the six minute shot at the end, towards the end of the movie, where yeah. Clive is trying to get into the building yeah. to save Key. Like and they, they're we're following Clive yeah. the entire time. You can I like how you say his actual name and then the character's name for the. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know her name though. I just know you her as You can call him Theo. Yeah, you can call him Theo if you'd like. So okay, so that's that's a great way to start talking about this movie is its technical achievements, right? Yeah. And you know, it's kind of. I remember when I broke down and finally looked up how they did the car scene. I wish I hadn't done that. Only yeah. because, uh, the, only because it's like it's like a magic trick, you know. You mean uh, when they're first yes. traveling with Key? Yes, when okay. they're first traveling uh, with Key, Julian, and Miriam. And yeah, Fitz. Uh, Fitz. Thank you. I was wondering Chewy tells name. Um, when his name is Luke. When they're when they're driving. Luke, yeah, yeah. When they're driving, and you know, you're you're noticing that we haven't cut yet. Right, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of just rotating. The yeah. camera's just rotating around the car. But here's the genius part of it: is we don't end the scene in the car. Yeah. <laughs> the camera has detached itself from the car, and we yeah. and we're not. We don't even end the scene with the characters. We know mm-hmm. these are just the cops that have been shot and killed on the street. Mm-hmm. Right? Unbelievable. Right? So so well done. And I remember when I looked it up, I was like, I really wish I hadn't have found out how they did it. Because, again, it's like finding out how someone did a magic trick. Yeah. I don't want to know. It's like the bunny's been there the entire time. Yeah. To, to me, it's, like I love finding that out. Yeah. Of course, you know, I'm more into right. cinematography well, stuff than... Right. And, you know, I, and that's why I looked it up was because I was like, you know, I have to know how they did it just because I want to know if, 
later on down the line if I ever end up doing something like this, you know, mm-hmm. I could do something similar to that. Right. But it, you know, I mean, I mean I, it's not a big deal. But I, I just love the way it looks, and I love the way it was organized and set up, and you know, we we followed that ping pong ball, yeah, um, on their mouths, and even that was almost seamless. I mean, it would be years before I realized it wasn't a real ping pong ball, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I kind of agree with Alex. Like, I would want to know how they did it, but I, I see your side. Like, again, it's. You know, there's certain movies I've seen where I don't know how they did certain shots, and I don't want to know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I want to know in case I ever right do something like that. But so, Jeremy, would you like to give the people a little bit more about what this movie's about? Yeah. So our movie follows Theo. Theo works for the government. Doing something. I didn't. Really it was quite Department understand. of Energy yeah, or something. Something to do with you're right. The fact is that he has access to government agencies, right? Yeah. Through his job. And the world we live in, in 2027 London, um, Great Britain is now the only intact nation in the world. Mm-hmm. And so all of these people flood into Great Britain to live there because they don't want to live in the place they live. Because there, it's like Mad Max over there or something. We don't, we don't know, but we get sort of an idea, right? There's got to be a reason they don't want to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the country has really cracked down on illegal immigration and refugees, and they're not really being super nice about it, right? Yeah. I mean, they find. I mean, what? Right. They don't really need to. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because so, and you gotta, you know, the whole reason that the world is like this is because you know that's kind of you can't mention it right uh, all women are unable to get pregnant make babies yep. they're infertile right uh, and this is where we get that sort of deviation from the novel is in the novel men can't produce sperm you know and it was kind of a cool thing that Alex mentioned uh, off camera off camera off mic um, is that the book was written by a woman mm-hmm. writing that men can't uh, reproduce, but then the movie is directed and produced by majority of men, mm-hmm. and they changes it to women, which is so interesting. And uh, the which I think it's better this way in the movie because then it makes Key a little bit more special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the book, you know, it's just some random guy, right? And like, where did this guy go? You know, right? You kind of need him in order to crack, but this one, you know, right? You have Key, maybe you could fix the issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I like that. Anyway. Right. So, I mean, if it were me, I don't know if I could have looked past that change. Like, if I had written a novel and someone were to change something like that, I don't know if I would have... Yeah, I get that. I don't know if I would have gotten past that. The fact that, you know, allegedly she really liked the finished product mm-hmm. is really neat, because I, I don't know if I would have, right? Yeah, if which... It were me. Yeah, and, and you know... Because that's a huge change, especially with gender politics, right? Oh, yeah. this is 2006, so, you know, things are different, but... Anyway. Um, anyway, so uh, so Theo has access to right. government things. The reason why that's important is Leo, or Theo, Theo has uh, an ex-wife who is a part of this rebellion. Insurrectionist kind of. Right. Sort of a, you know, I don't know what you would call it besides that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and she needs him to get 
transportation papers mm-hmm. for someone. He doesn't know. Right? Yeah, she. Yeah, I think Julianne Moore just says, "Yeah, a girl." Right. And so he gets the papers. However, there's a little catch. He has to go with her. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't. He can't get access to papers to have her go by herself. Right. Right. And so he lets them know. And now he is involved in whatever this is, right? He has no idea what it is. Right. So once he once he meets up with them, we get the infamous car scene, right? Which is unbelievable. Um, Julian Moore dies. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that was, that was nuts, right? Uh, I do I do like how they did that shot of her getting shot through the window. Mm-hmm. We don't see like a like a close up of her. We just see right back of her head she gets tagged and then we go to Clive Owen right. blood on his face and he's, he's panicking to save her right you know, stop her bleeding somehow and yeah. so he is rightfully so confused on what the hell is going on right why is this so goddamn important yeah right why yeah. is this girl so goddamn important and um, he later finds out she lets him know she's pregnant and this is the first baby in over 18 years, right? Um, and so now we get the highest stakes of all, right? Yeah. Which is we need to protect this woman who is potentially having the first baby in 18 years, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the outfit, the rebellion outfit that uh, Julian was a part of Fish or fishes wants to use Key, the pregnant woman, as this sort of bargaining chip or something. Right? They just said no, like a political tool. Right. Yeah, basically it was just like a, hey, look, you know, the government is doing all this stuff. Yet, however, on our side we have the first pregnant woman in two decades. Right. So it's sort of just like a, you know, a. Sort of like a propaganda tool to get people on their side to uprise right. to throw the government over. You know, it also helps their side that Key is a refugee. Yeah, so a black refugee, right? So that you know, point them, right? Yeah, yeah. But Key doesn't want that. No, Key just wants to, you know, have the baby and take care of it as best as can. Right. However, you know, you've got these two sides warring against each other right. that are, what each, you know, the government doesn't really know about it yet, but if they do, you know, each one would want to use it to their advantage. They mention that, like, shortly after she reveals that she's pregnant mm-hmm. to Theo, that, you know, they would just take the baby and give it to some posh black lady, right. British black lady, and say, this is her baby. Right. Look, now we're... Uh, you know, we're we're solving the issue. You know, right, and rightfully so. Key so, and wants now we to get keep it, the baby. Get rid of you know these, you know, get all the uh, refugees out. You know, right. So now they need to get they need to get out of this situation where they're at mm-hmm. with uh, with this rebel faction, right? Yeah, especially after Clive eavesdrop. Uh, eavesdrops and hears that they're going to kill him in right. the morning. And that Patrick, Mr. Dreadlocks, was the one who killed Julian in the first place. And yeah, you basically, know, they're in cahoots. It was yeah. like some sort of ruse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so. It was basically a. Uh, so Julian was, you know, Keith's friend. Yeah. 
And since she's dead, it was them, they're able to twist their narrative to say, hey, look, it's dangerous out there. Stay here on this farm where we're hiding out and have the baby. And she's like, okay, yeah. You know, I don't want to go anywhere because it's dangerous out there. And, you know, basically it's dangerous because they made it that way. Right. They made it look dangerous. Yeah. Which, I mean, in their defense, we're going to find out that it is dangerous out there anyway. Yeah. uh, No matter where they are. Um, I mean, somehow they're involved in that too, but we'll get there. So... And all along, you know, this the whole reason that Key is with them is because Julian has this mysterious group out there called the Human Project. Yeah. Which, you know, you go through this movie and you're not really... No one's sure if they actually exist or not. Right. It's sort of like... Because Jasper has mentioned, yes, they exist. Right. And uh, when when Theo went to go see Jasper after the, the bombing at the coffee shop, uh, you know, he's, he's about to tell a joke and then... <laughs> Theo gets really upset and says, like, oh, man, you know, the, the human project is bullshit. It doesn't really exist. And he goes, buddy, I'm just trying to tell it. Jump, man, relax. You know? Yeah. So we, we have this sort of conflict. Do they or do they not mm-hmm. exist? Right? And so now that's the new mission. Yeah. Right? Um, Theo trusts Julian. Mm-hmm. And so Julian says, there's a human project. Well, let's see if that works. Right? And so now the rest of the movie is let's get key to the human project. Yeah. Right? And so that ends up being this crazy adventure just trying to get her to the human project. Mm-hmm. And to do so, they have to uh, go see an immigration officer who is going to get them in a refugee camp so they can get to the... I mean, it's a whole... Rigmarole. Yeah. Uh, which leads to one of the greatest shots in the film, which is trying to rescue Key from that rebel faction that took her back mm-hmm. um, while they're on their way to get to the Human Project. And again, one of the best sort of um, sort of act breaks is you know once he has Key with the baby, everybody stops, right? Yeah. Everyone stops. They stop shooting. They stop, you know, whatever, until she's out of the way, and then they keep going, right? Yeah. Um, which is unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of shows that, like, neither side wanted to use the baby. They just realized that there's an actual baby existing now. Well, no. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure both sides would want to use it. It's just in the moment, you know, it's not so much... You know, in that, in the moment, you know, you have the firefight. It's not so much you're not thinking about your political agenda at that point. Yeah. Once you see this child, you think, "Holy crap!" Yeah. Babies are possible again, <laughs> and there's a living one right here. No one's seen one in two decades, and it sort of just kind of like makes people feel, you know, I would say hopeful in a way because when she's passing, like all these random refugees and other people, you know, they're holding her out. It's almost like a so like a religious yeah. kind of they just, they just want to touch thing. they just want to touch her or touch the baby you know it's sort of like they're experiencing their own humanity and reflecting on that as well mm-hmm. and the soldiers do that as well because yeah. a lot of them you know kneel when they pass her and do you know the little right. cross um, and it's really you know sort of all these people thinking about you know just for a second maybe like is this 
Right. Like, what what are we doing here? Right. Until, you know, they get past and then yeah, someone starts firing again and they just all... And then it just goes right other. back to Yeah, and someone launches a bazooka and then they all go back to it and Clive is just like, okay, we gotta go. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, then they then they reach the boat. Uh, it is revealed that Clive Owen's been shot. As, they, as they're rowing to the buoy out in the ocean, uh, waiting for this boat to come to pick them up, to take them to the Human Project. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. The boat shows up. Clive dies. Children are met. Right? Yeah. Um, now, I did want to. I did want to mention. It is such a small, obvious thing, but I still love it. Is that when, when they are in that war zone and he's holding the baby? Um, what did you say his name was? Luke. Luke. Yeah. Um, Luke mentions that he he's forgotten what babies look like. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you don't think about that, but it's like, of course he's forgotten, right? It's been 20 years almost, yeah. right? And But I just really like that little reminder that he's like, oh, my God, I forgot what babies look like or sound like, you know, or what, yeah. you know. It's, it's unbelievable. It's beautiful, right? And it's it's such a small little detail they put in there Yeah, that I loved. And I, I like his part whenever, you know, CEO comes in and he takes key and he's, like, sitting in their corner with his gun. Mm-hmm. And he's just like we get, we have we need that baby we need him and he keeps calling it a him like, right. the baby is a girl it's a girl and Theo's yeah. like it's a girl and he sort of stops and thinks like like he never even thought like right. to consider you know, a girl right and then he thought you know it reminded him of his sister mm-hmm. and he thought you know my sister was just a child how would I feel but then you know ultimately he still wants to use that, right that political pawn right and that's actually when. Uh, Theo gets shot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he shoots. Mm-hmm. Theo turns and yeah, then... like pushes key out of the way, and you see him like. Yeah, you see him get hit, and that's. I mean, assuming that's where he gets shot, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he says he got me, so I, I would assume that he's referring to Luke. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I love that little interaction Theo has with Luke. Um, after you know, with the small intermissions of him shooting out the window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Is is him just reflecting on, like you, what you were saying, his sister, and you know the remembering what babies look like, right? It's it's sort of unbelievable, and we get a little bit of that before that with Miriam at the abandoned school. Because yeah, again, why would we need schools anymore? There are no children anymore. Yeah, right? where Miriam reveals that she used to be a midwife. Yeah, and which <laughs> no wonder she's doing whatever this is now because. He can't be a midwife anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Out of a job. Right. And sort of mentioning playgrounds and, you know, she remembers when no one was using playgrounds anymore. Yeah. She remarked upon the silence of the playground. Right. Which you don't really think about because... Yeah. Until, you know, you notice that it's not really there. There is a a poem out there that... um, That... Oh man, what is his name? Um, doesn't matter. In Detachment, uh, Tony Kay's film, um, they he reads about an abandoned um, playground, saying that you know don't the children know that the playground still needs them, things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sort of reminded me of that, right? Her um, her little monologue about the playground, right? Which I loved. Again, that's again the little things about. 
you know, people reminiscing about children being there and no longer, number one, remembering what that was like, and two, you know, the hope that maybe with Key, we may be able to get it back. Yeah. Right? This movie's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, it, like I said, it was definitely a ride. And I think what made, for me at least, why it was so, like, anxiety-inducing is when Clive kept experiencing the whole thing with his shoes. Yes, it is the die-hard school of how to get people nervous is having someone be barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, because he's barefoot from... From the time they reach the farm... Yeah. yeah. Until... Um, well, he gets, like, flip-flops from Jasper. Yeah. That's the only shoe <laughs> that, that fit barely him. fit, yeah. too. And then he gets some shoes at the refugee camp. But. Yeah. yeah. But even then, he's still limping, because he, I think, cut himself when he... Oh, yeah. Knocks that guy with the car battery. Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's poking his head out the door, and he just clocks him with that car battery. Yeah. Great digital blood, by the way. Yeah. Um... Because I assumed a lot of in the car was digital blood also. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. So one of the things I want to talk about with that six-minute shot of Clive trying to get into the, sure, yeah. to, into the building is... And so I watched a video last night, and I've heard... And you've heard me mention this YouTube channel before called Aliens Guide. Yeah. They did a whole episode of Children of Men. And I watched it after I finished the movie. And they bring up a good point about how the camera is almost like a documentary-style mm-hmm. camera. That we're not only just paying attention to our characters, but we're paying attention to the background. Yeah. And sometimes the camera will go and just look at the background. Yes. And we're not even focusing on our characters. I, um, I did read that Alfonso Caron wanted it to look more like a documentary and wanted it less to be Blade Runner. He didn't want it to be Blade Runner. He wanted it to be, you know, a documentary yeah. style. So that's following you, this person, but oh right. look, there's something interesting over here. So we're gonna look at that real quick. Right. It's Come back it's it. like leaving the car and looking at the police officers. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot. Of, a lot of movie would have done that. Is when I think about that is, like when he's walking through, like before he goes with Julian and them, and he's walking through like the town, mm-hmm. the city, you know. And we're following him, and he's walking past all these cages with people, with refugees in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you just look over, and you see, you know, a refugee crying, or one of them just calling out for help. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, when he's running through the refugee camp at Bexhill, you know, we're following him, but we also look over, and there's a woman holding her dead son, mm-hmm. you know. Which is people. kind of reference to the, the Pieta mm-hmm. that his cousin couldn't save. Right. Um, and we see that, you know. Something also they mentioned in The Aliens Guide. I can't take it. Yeah, that's a... Um, I was about to congratulate you for that uh, for that observation. <laughs> well, forget it. Um, well, aren't you glad I at least acknowledged... Yes, I am very happy that you didn't take credit for that. Because <laughs> that's a really good observation. Yeah. Um, um, and I really do like the artwork in the, in the cousin's house. Um well, I mean, it's called the Ark of Arts. He does have the um, uh, a Banksy mm-hmm. uh, out front. Yeah. yeah, when the when the Bentley comes in, uh, you see that Banksy there, um, and then you get that gigantic um, um, Picasso. Yeah, uh, which is in the dining room. Which, from what they said in the Aliens Guide, it's it's a it's supposed to like represent like anti um, war. 
I believe. It, yes. Is what it's supposed to represent. Yeah. And yet... I think it was supposed to be painted during or about the Spanish War, mm-hmm. I think, is what it was. And, and it's, it's almost seated at a dining table where these rich socialites can eat and, yeah. you know... Ignore all the war around them. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, and it really is, uh, from what I understand, the painting really is that big. It's it's gigantic. Really? Yeah. Um, so, uh, was that the actual I, painting? I mean, it's it, they're insinuating it's the real painting that's hanging well, in. Well, in the movie, was it the actual painting? No, I don't think so. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool, but no, there's no way. <laughs> I don't no. think they would lend it to someone. He, he calls up it? his buddy at an art museum like, Hey, um, this is Alfonso. Can I borrow that? Really yeah, quick? I need to borrow that pen real quick, bro. Yeah. For how long? Three hours? <laughs> yeah, no. You can have two. <laughs> it's like, mm, any three. <laughs> he talks him down to like, you can have 45 minutes with it and you got to get the shot. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, but yes. no, like, here's why I wanted to bring up that shot of, of Clive getting to the, the apartment mm-hmm. um, is because... The camera really feels diegetic in that because there's a scene where someone gets shot and blood splatters on the camera. Yes. And it stays on. Yes. And uh, you can kind of, unfortunately, uh, you can see the the hidden cut uh, because the blood goes away, right? Uh, well, well, once he's inside. Yeah, once he's inside, yeah. uh, the yeah. blood goes away and it kind of, you know, disappears, right? It's just like real quick. Well, actually, the blood wasn't supposed to be there. Mm. Oh. Uh, yeah, whenever they we're filming that uh-huh. you know it's all gonna be one take um you know cause the the cinematographer Emmanuel Lubetsky who was one of my favorite cinematographers he's the, Chivo is his nickname he did uh Birdman oh and he also did Gravity another Alfonso Cuaron mm-hmm. and Revenant you know so he's just a lot of yeah, he's long hanging out takes with, yeah. he really likes to just Hold on to the camera. For well, a yeah, I mean, it's that to me really grounds it in reality. You're not being distracted mm-hmm. by yeah. different vantage points. Yeah, but it, yeah. But during that part, is the blood on the camera was not supposed to happen. Hmm. So whenever they were filming it, uh, Alfonso actually yelled "cut" at that point, but they kept going, and for and you apparently that was uh, covered up by like a shot, like a, a shot from the mm-hmm. the tanks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're like, hey, this actually looks really cool. Let's yeah. keep it in. Yeah. So, yeah, I we agree. almost didn't get the blood on there. Yeah, I because I've seen other, you know, and he actually did that in The Revenant with the uh, the bear's mm-hmm. breath, right? Yeah. Fogging up the lens. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that's interesting. It's the same person because you can really see, uh, you know, a direct or a, a trademark yeah. with his style of cinematography. Um, but yeah, that, the, but that definitely feels like it's like a documentary style because yeah. in a documentary they wouldn't cut and be like, ah, we gotta do it again. Yeah, we gotta, they we just, gotta clean the blood off the lens. They would just keep following their subject. Yeah. And, you know, you know, documentary reporters who go into war zones like this have to do that all the time, you know. Yeah, it is, and it is really just anxiety inducing. Yeah. Him getting into the building, getting out. Oh, and the part I really hated. <laughs> I wouldn't say hate. Um, it just, uh, again, amped up the anxiety and everything is when he jumps to cover but lands on those people and they're like, get, get, get yeah, out of here. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I'm so, just some I'm random sorry. refugees and he's like trying to get there. And like, yeah, he's get like, him I'm out. Sorry. I'm sorry. And then he's like, 
And then he runs through that school bus that people are using for mm, like, to live in, and there's yeah. these bullets flying and, through. And Patrick is shooting at them. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and it, I mean, and a few people die in that, um, or get hit at least in yeah. that in that bus. Yeah. Now I do want to mention because I don't believe we mentioned it on mic is um, one of Alex and I's favorite little you know background moments is the Abu Ghraib hooded man oh, uh, yeah. is in. Um, the refugee camp when Miriam gets thrown off the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think he's there until we until we cut to that shot of Miriam actually being yeah. led off the yeah. bus, right? Because yeah. I mean, it's only there for like yeah, fifteen seconds. Not not very long, but it's enough because uh, as Alex and I were talking about it off mic, we I mean, it terrifies me that image. It's so. Should we should we talk about what that is? Yeah, I don't think. But, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Abu Ghraib was a. It happened in two thousand three. Started mm-hmm. in two thousand three anyway. Uh, during the whole you know Iraq War, Middle Eastern. Uh, basically, a lot of American soldiers had a bunch of prisoners of war and used a lot of terrible torture yeah. techniques. Yeah, and humiliation yeah. and, you know... Yeah, just trying to break them as right. people to get information sometimes, and sometimes not even for that. Just no, just for fun. Yeah. Uh, but what we're mentioning is there's a photograph of a man who is standing on a tiny box, barely enough room for his feet. There's water on the floor... And he's covered in the, like a black bag, like a trash bag, and then mm-hmm. this black hood. And he has his hands outstretched to his sides and wires attached to it. So if he falls and he steps in the water, he's going to electrocute himself and probably die. Mm-hmm. And in the background of that scene of what Jeremy's saying is, you know, when they're pulling Miriam off the bus, he's in the background. That, that, they have another person dressed exactly like that just standing there for, you know, visual yeah. treat for... That will notice. Right. Um, if you want to learn more about Abu Ghraib, um, there's a great book by Dr. Philip Zimbardo called The Lucifer Effect, and he talks about a Stanford prison experiment and how it correlates to the Abu Ghraib um, misgivings in 2003. Damn. Um, so, and, and how like his experiment in like 1973 sort of predicted Abu Ghraib in 2003. And so uh, it's great. It's a great book. And uh, Dr. Philip Zimbardo, who is still alive at the time of this recording, um, is unbelievable. He's a great psychologist. And yeah, Oof. I did just want to, I did want to mention the Apple Grape thing because it. Yeah. Once you notice it, it freaks you out because it's yeah. Because uh, yeah. you know it's you know, at this point because you know I feel like in the world today you got a lot of you know checks and balances like United Nations and yeah. you know. Um, other sort of keeping, you know, atrocities of war to a minimum mm-hmm. from war, war crime. But when you're the only country out there, like, yeah, what are you going to, like, who's going to keep accountable? Yeah. You can do whatever you want to anybody as long, you know, yeah. as long as they're not your citizens. And people just be like, okay, sure, you know. Right. And probably to your own citizens. Cause right. We get a little bit of that before we even see the hooded man when they just, you know, punch Miriam in the face yeah, yeah. you know yeah, even though they think she's a refugee and she's not right um, yeah, well I don't even think they care no this yeah. you know it's mostly just a prison right you know they send other people there too it's basically a concentration camp yeah yeah. Uh, for refugees yeah um, in, the, in the Aliens Guide video they mentioned how like the past atrocity, atrocities that were committed like with the Nazis in, in Germany 
uh, like Britain was using those same things, but saying like, oh, it's for their own good or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is sort of, for lack of a better word, paying homage uh, to those, you know, wartime crimes and, you know, atrocities or whatever from, from different wars and including... 2003, yeah. right? And which is only, you know, it's not that three old. years before yeah. the <laughs> I release mean, of this movie. Yeah, I'm sure that you know, writing this, writing the screenplay or whatever, you know, um, they were like, "What was that? Let's put that in there." You know, or just like when they were making, not even in the screenplay. Oh, that's a They're just like, "Hey, we could just throw a hood on this guy and yeah, make a reference to him in the background. No one's gonna realize." Uh, I. I do want to mention more about, like, the propaganda in the film. Sure. I really liked how Britain was really trying to paint itself like, yeah, we're the only country standing. So it's like, yeah. the United yeah. States. Yeah. And it's like, it shows, like, all these con- nations' names. Like, in and flames. Then, yeah, and then Great Britain. With the, the, the Union Jack in the background, <laughs> yeah. like, like we, we stand or something. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, it's like that whole thing of, like, they really don't want people to know how bad it really is. Or, you know, we're, we're still staying, but for how long and at what cost? You yeah. know? Because, I mean, yes, once he goes to visit his cousin, you see that people can live comfortably, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and zebras were there? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, someone... Someone just, had a pet zebra. Yeah, it's just pet, uh, pet zebra just out there for, for whatever reason and there was like a barbershop quartet over there whatever like, and I like the part where Theo asks his cousin he's like like, what is all this for you're collecting priceless art for over hundreds of years you're keeping them here what's the point because in yeah. maybe 50 years no one's going to be alive yeah what, you know and, and all the yeah and it's basically you know it's like he says why not yeah, <laughs> I don't really have anything better to do. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like a sort of you know, especially today and then you know, it's like a how out of touch you are if you're that high up, of, right? You know, if you have that much money and that much influence, mm-hmm. you don't care about what's happening out in the streets, right? Like none of that is going to touch you, is going to affect you, so you're just going to be like, well, why let's not restore you know? some artwork? You're like let's, you know, why why. You know, especially at that point too. Like, why bother making anything better? Right. And I think even though you could help, I don't know. And I think he adds like that he tries not to think about it. Yeah, he does say that. He's like, I don't think about it. I just continue. Like everything's fine. Golly, I know. And I do want to say I like how they kind of uh, restored uh, Adam or David. David, yeah, with the the metal bar for his leg because I guess his leg got blown off at some point. At some point. It was damaged, yeah. Nah. But, man. I know. And then there's the, the floating pig outside. Right, with the yeah. little... The Pink Floyd album cover. The little nod to the Pink Floyd, yeah. Yeah. Animals. Is the yeah. It's... Like I said, man, the movie just... It bummed me out, bro. <laughs> like, like I said, it's not a bad thing, but I'm just like, ugh. It bums you out through the whole thing, but then I feel like at the end... Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, at the end, of it, I feel like it's showing you that there's hope because, you know, credits roll and you hear the kids' voices. Well, like, kids laughing. I yeah. thought that was so genius. The yeah. the children playing... Um, and you could think about it either way. You know, um, 
watching it again today, I was thinking, I, I kind of go back and forth sometimes. So at this time, I was like, you know, thinking of it as sort of reminiscent of a better time, not necessarily hope for the future, right? Not, not, there's got to be a bunch of children. Right. I was thinking, you know, that... It's like what everybody else does for... About what's happening now, right? The good old time, right? Right, right. I was thinking, you know, there's they're still doomed, right? One child's really may not make that big of a difference, you know. Well, I mean, but they kind of do leave you with that little bit of hopefulness because the ship is called Tomorrow, yeah, and she, you know, we're waiting for tomorrow to arrive, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know, I I see both sides, no, yeah, 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 I I see your side that maybe it's. Alfonso's saying, like, they're just reflecting on a better time. Sometimes I just like to keep it bumming, you know? I like to keep it bummed out, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, um... I mean, my wife said your living situation was bumming her out. Which is <laughs> rude. My living situation is fine. I, um... I live in a house, I'm fine. But, uh, I do want to... I did want to say, um, about the, um... About the ending, I think. Hold on. I lost it, because you mentioned my house. <laughs> What did you think about the her naming the baby after Dylan's son? That was great. Yeah. Uh, I really like because again it, it was co- sort of a running joke throughout the movie, uh, throughout a very dark movie. This sort of running joke of her naming the baby ridiculous things. Yeah, at first it was Froly, Froly, <laughs> and then he's getting used to Froly. His response like, was great for Froly. He goes, "The first baby in twenty years, and they're gonna name it Froly." Don't do that. <laughs> and then the second one, she's like Bazooka. Yeah, after she found out it was a girl, she's like. Bazooka. And he's like, I was getting used to Froley. Froley's a man's name. Yeah, he's like, I don't know that. Oh. Yeah, and then and then as he's clearly she knows he's probably about to die, she's like, Dylan. Because Dylan's a girl's name and he And he smiles. And he right? smiles. And now what uh, I remembered, what um Alfonso Caron said is like he didn't want to end it as an ending. He wanted to end the film as if it were the beginning of a new movie. Oh, okay. Right? So like if we were to like, if that were the opening shot, boom, children of men, what are we going to see next, right? Because it's sort of, the, the way he does it, it mirrors the the very, very beginning. That's true, yeah. Right? And so he wanted it to sort of end as if it were an opening to a new one. Okay. Yeah, right? Because he plays the title card on yeah. both things. That's interesting. I don't really think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Again, I read and that. And also, too. you know, you open on this news broadcast about the death of the first baby Diego. the youngest person on earth <laughs> he was 18 and well what's interesting about that is um, and you know you don't have to read into it this much if you don't want to but you know this sort of uh, a small little glimpse of what it's like to be famous for almost no reason at all for the fact that you're yeah. just the youngest person in the world and having to deal with being famous for something you had nothing to do with. Yeah. And no control over. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, no wonder he was so upset, right? Yeah. Um, and that's just a little thing you can do. And then you get basically murdered for it because, yeah. you know, he didn't want to talk to a fan and it was like... The Fan's like, fuck fan, you Fan, quote unquote. Yeah. And then Fan, you know, just kills him. Yeah, just Mark David Chapman him just in the middle of the street. Oh and, and then the next person... Is a, you imagine being like the second oldest and then the other person like, oh, Oh, now, I, now I gotta deal with this. Yeah, now I'm the most. Now I'm the youngest person. And they, the and they kind of mentioned that uh, Patrick's cousin. He was only 19. Yeah. Or, or as he put it, me cousin. <laughs> you killed me cousin. 
Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. But I do briefly want to talk about the very beginning mm-hmm. um, of that opening. Of I mean, Clive Owen's not even the first person you see in the movie, right? Even nope. at the end credits, it's in order of appearance. He's like the like the seventh yeah. person down, yeah. right? It's, it's you know, it opens in the coffee shop, right? People listening to and again, one shot watching the broadcast of this kid of the death coming. of baby Diego. And he's just kind of trying to make his way. <laughs> Who cares about baby Diego? Get, yeah. get the fuck out of my way, you know? I need my black coffee so I can put my whiskey in it. Yeah. Which, I like that he kept the bottle and he just kept refilling it. That was really cool. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but as he goes and gets his coffee and leaves, right, we have, we're still maintaining that continuous shot. And then we the camera kind of goes around to the other side of Clive and boom, we get that explosion in the coffee shop he was just in, right? And the camera sort of rushes past Clive, again, that documentary yeah. style. Like, yeah, we're leaving the main like, character like, to see at the action. Right, and then that woman comes out holding her own arm in her other hand, and then, bam, we get that title card, yeah. right? Yeah. And it really sets you up for the whole movie, right? Expect the unexpected. Don't expect it to... This is not a fun place to live. No. This is not a fun time to be living in. Nah. Also. And basically anything could happen. And it sort of reminded me of Saving Private Ryan. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, you get sort of shots of that, but they're really quick, right? And, and also there's a guy holding his arm. Yes, there's a guy holding his own arm and saving Papa Ryan, and he's sort he's of... looking around. He's like, looking for What is him. happening? Yeah, he's, he's right. holding. Oh, he's holding, and he's kind of looking down, and, you know, he's disoriented and, you know, shell-shocked. And that's what this woman was. This woman was shell-shocked and holding her own arm. And I love that we didn't hold on her for very long. Yeah. Right? It was, it was just enough to where you know what's going on, you see what she's holding, and then we get to start the movie. Right, mm-hmm. unbelievably well done. I love Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, it was it was great. It, I mean, I'm excited to see what he does next. I don't know what he's going to do next, but yeah, after Roma, who knows? So, um, we have an announcement, don't we, guys? Yes, we do. Uh, I'll let you lead it because it was your idea. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we won't get sued. So, guys, <laughs> <laughs> um, starting last night. Uh, we started uh, shooting another short film. Uh, it is a Stephen King adaptation. Uh, I love Stephen King very, very much. And um, kind of wanted to do this little, small, intimate, short sort of poem that he had written. Um, it is in a Skeleton Crew. It's a collection of short stories. The Mist is on there. The Jaunt. Uh, certain uh, great short stories that I highly recommend. Uh, this one's called Paranoid. A Chant. And uh, that's what we're shooting. Alex yeah. is directing. I sort of kind of wrote it. And we got Rain helping with the camera, and he's going to help us edit. So, yeah, uh, it was a lot of a lot of fun. You know, I we're shooting in my dilapidated house. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I I hate that I got to. I hate that I missed the worst week of my life shoot. So this kind of makes up for it. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot of fun last night, even though your house was creeping me out. Yeah, my house was fine. So dark though, man. Yeah, I didn't have any lights on. So dark, too scary, too scary. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun, and and you know, um, we pretty much have everything we need. Just a few pickup shots today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Jeremy mentioned, <laughs> um, we had to ask permission to uh, do this from Stevens Production or uh, Publishing Company, and uh, they have not gotten back with us yet. 
So maybe a while before we can show people. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could we show, show people. We just can't put it anywhere. Well, we can. I mean, I, I believe as long as we're not. As long as you don't make money, it's just like the Star Wars. Yeah. We shot. As long as you don't make money off of it, you can put it out. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so we're we gonna put it out anyway. We don't make money off of this, so why make money off of this other thing either? <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Money's not sure that important not. to me anyway. So who gives a shit? Uh, but yeah, really exciting stuff. I I like how it's coming together so far. Uh, hopefully, I don't screw it up too bad. So nah, it'll be fun. It'll be yeah. it'll be good. First time I've ever uh, made something that's not written by me solely. Yeah. Well, as a director, you got to know how to take other people's uh, writing and figure out what you want to do. Yeah, with it's it. all about collaboration, and I don't like to argue, so I'm pretty easy. Well, to and <laughs> and I think something I was telling my mom this this morning. I think something that's been really helpful is that we didn't really have a script to go off of. We're, no. we're all coming up with it. Yeah, basically on run and gun on the fly of, like, hey, this would be cool to add in there. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just having just different Which, shots in there that we can yeah. just intercut in there. I mean, Which, you know, this is not really a non-linear story. Right. So it works that way. Yeah. As if we're doing, like, trying to make a story out of something, yeah, it probably not work as easily. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to try with a different thing that... Yeah. approach and technique but we but have yeah. to figure out the right sort of thing to do it with yeah so we're hopefully we'll get that done here for a month or so maybe because yeah. uh, we have a lot of post to work yeah. on but um, I hope you guys also really enjoy Children of Men if you watched it before listening to this which I hope you did you should <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean if you're listening to this it's too late but um, but Rain it's your turn next week so, so. So, episode two for season four, I uh, I felt really hard about this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go ahead and pick one of the my uh, pitches from oh, last okay. week, cool. but... I'm not going to do that next time. <laughs> but I was like, I'll save those. Save those for later in this series, because okay. we're, we're just getting this series. This season yeah, I mean, started. We have, a, we have a lot of episodes. Yeah. So, I decided to go with one that um, I really loved. I was really excited to watch it. Uh, didn't get to see it till it was out on 4K. Watched it and loved it. It is written and directed. See if you can figure out before I even say it by Taika Waititi. Oh, okay. Jojo Rabbit. Okay, we'll do Jojo Rabbit next time. That'll be fun. Uh, it is. I one of the things that gravitated me towards it, besides the fact that it was Taika Waititi, um, is that he promoted it as an anti-hate film, mm-hmm. which I loved. Uh, I was like, I'm sold. I don't care what it's about. Well, I get to talk about his little best friend, which is the cutest little guy in the world, man. That that little guy, Adolf Hitler. No, his is the little chubby guy. Oh, the little chubby kid. Oh, I call him uh, little Nick Frost. He is because he looks just like Nick. <laughs> he Frost. does look like Nick Frost. <laughs> he is the cutest little guy. It's uh, not a good time to be a Nazi. Oh my God, he's so funny in that too, yeah. man. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So Jojo, Jojo Rabbit, Rabbit next week. Uh, So we hope everyone enjoyed Children of Men, and we will see you next week. She would never say where she came from. Yesterday don't matter if it's gone. While the sun is bright, or in the darkest night No one knows She comes
I miss you. 